Smarties, sometimes we get really lucky as podcasters and we get invited onto other podcasts to talk about what it is we do and who we do it for. We have collaborated with Dr. Jeremy Sharp of the Testing Psychologist podcast many times over the years. He's been on our podcast and we've been on his. And today we are so fortunate that Jeremy allowed us to share our conversation that we had on his podcast. In the special episode where Dr. Jeremy Sharp interviews us, we chat about why learners lie and what to do about it. We'll go ahead and link all the other conversations that we've had with Dr. Jeremy Sharp on the podcast in the show notes to this episode. If you are interested in getting educational therapy interventions for your learner, we would be honored to talk to you. Feel free to sign up for a phone call at www.myedtherapist.com to connect with Steph's practice in Redondo Beach, California and everywhere virtually or www.capedtherapy.com. That's K-A-P-P edtherapy.com to connect with my practice in Beverly Hills, California and virtually everywhere where we specialize in learners with ADHD and or executive functioning skills challenges. Now, let's dig in. You want to learn faster, but sometimes working harder is just not the answer. You have to learn smarter. The Educational Therapy Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Testing Psychologist Podcast the podcast where we talk all about the business and practice of psychological and neuropsychological assessment. I'm your host, Dr. Jeremy Sharp, licensed psychologist, group practice owner, and private practice coach. My guests today are return guests. Rachel Kapp and Steph Pitts are here talking about lying and how lying shows up with the students we work with. If you don't know Rachel and Steph, then... You should go back and check out their previous episodes on the podcast. They've been here a couple of times talking about uh, learning at home during the pandemic and executive functioning and organizational skills. Both fantastic episodes. We'll link to those in the show notes. But today's episode, like I said, is all about lying. So we talk about why learners lie. Rachel and Steph give a number of reasons why students feel compelled to to lie to us as parents or clinicians. We talk about how to support learners when they're lying um, and how to just work with them and help them come up with alternatives to lying. Rachel and Steph give a number of anecdotes from their practices that really help bring these concepts to life. And as always, this was just a super fun conversation. These uh, women are incredibly dynamic. They are very bright and they do great work. And I'm just lucky to uh, have them on the show to showcase some of those skills. So without further ado, let's get to my conversation with Rachel and Steph. Hey, Rachel. Hey, Steph. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having us. We're happy to be here. Yeah, I'm really glad to have you. So you, let's see, third visit. That means... 
you are in the club. You're in the, We're in, the, the do we get a jacket? You know how I'm the like, jacket is in the mail. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Watch your mailboxes. Yeah. <laughs> Embroidery. Triple crown. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. Serious club. I don't know that I've had anybody on four times. So this is, this is kind of, yeah, this oh, is well, the, now, the you, now, now we have a goal. Yeah. Now we have a goal. <laughs> I love it. I love it. We're already setting goals. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Of course we are. Yep. We're at therapists. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, folks likely have heard you on the podcast before. Um, y'all are ed therapists from California and today. So we're talking about uh, why learners lie. Mm-hmm. And I am, super excited to talk about this um, because I have two little learners in my home. And so it's personal (laughs) and very professional as well. Mm -hmm. But let me start with this question of, uh, you know, y'all tackle a lot of topics and think about a lot of things, see a lot of things. Why are you putting energy into this right now? You know, how'd you get keyed into this whole lying paradigm? So I'll share a story Mm -hmm. um, because I think we can all learn from stories. I had a client that I was working with and one of the things that was starting to become a trend was that she was flat out lying with me. Let me tell you a little bit about um, her background and age and stuff. She was in 10th grade. We had been working together about a year. So there's a a lot of intimacy and trust that we have with learners, especially when they've been long-term with us. And I really liked her personally, which made it harder and mm. this was, and I really came to step with it because um, I was all up in my feelings about it <laughs> and taking it very, very personal and, um, and also acknowledging that lying was a boundary for me and was triggering for me personally. And, um, and so Steph and I started to have some deeper level conversations about why this was happening um, and what we needed to do about it as me and my client. And as we were having these conversations, it just seemed to be happening again and again with our teams. And um, one of the luxuries of having a podcast and being a podcaster is that you can sit and think about what you think about something. Mm. And so sitting with it um, really helped. And, you know, honestly, it's, it's an episode. She actually came onto our podcast to talk about this and it's a really popular episode. Mm-hmm. And so, um, it, it really resonated with our audience, but Steph, what sort of lights you up? about Well, this? okay. So uh, back when we first started talking about this, I had a client who was such a phenomenal liar <laughs> that nobody knew she was lying because she was getting away with these lies. And I just, nobody caught her. I mean, Mm. just brilliant (laughs) at being able to lie. And I was the first one to catch her, um, doing it. You know, this was right when COVID hit and they were going into distance learning and she was doing stuff that nobody was catching on to. And I finally caught on and figured out what was going on. And we were, you know, it, it sort of also sparked this why is she going to such great lengths to get away with things instead of just doing what was asked of her? And it was, I can't tell you the level it was. I mean, I showed, I remember I showed Rachel what she was doing and I showed my team what she was doing and everyone was jaw dropped. Like, wow. Like that's brilliant. Extreme effort and brilliant. 
uh-huh, uh-huh. And so that's what sort of started this, like, why are we lying and what, how is this happening um, in, you know, my practice and whatnot? So um, that is, you know, it, there's always some sort of layer of like what they're lying about and how, you know, are they lying to others? Are they lying to themselves? Are they, you know, where is the lie? How big is the lie? What is it about? So we really started getting more curious about why they were lying and like what to do about it. Yeah. I think we've all had that experience in either professional work, you know, working those of us who work with kids, or if you have kids, of course. And I, you know, have experienced this so many times, this idea of why are you putting so much energy into lying Mm -hmm. when you could expend 25% of that energy and just do whatever you Mm -hmm. said you're doing. And, and, and what lying does to relationships, right. It's so difficult, but it doesn't take 25% of the effort for us. It feels like 25% of the effort, but it's not for them. So, you know, that's why we were getting really curious about what was going on behind a lot of lying when it comes to emotionally charged tasks Mm. and homework, tests, studying school, chores, you know, all the things, reading, anything that was feeling really challenging and Steph had to really coach me and my sort of story with my client into how to, um, separate the emotions out of it that I was feeling and Mm -hmm. really get curious about why and how, and with what assignments and with what circumstances were the, was the lying happening and what, what really got revealed with this particular client was how deeply she was lying to herself. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that's really something that we see a lot with the learners that we work with. Yeah. 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 I know we're going to get into all of these layers and there's already, we already raised so Mm. many, (laughs) so many directions that we could go. Mm. So let's start with the beginning maybe. And I will say this, um, I I hope we might come back to this particular student that you Mm. were talking about stuff. And I want to know like the depths of this, uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) if we can somehow work that in. So we'll see if that comes back up. Okay. Okay. So let's go to the beginning though, and start with this whole idea of like, why, why this is happening. So y'all, it sounds like have found a few different reasons why learners are going to lie. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious what some of I those mean, are. I mean, you know, kids, people in general. Yeah. 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 It, I know. I kind of hesitate human, with that right? word. It's it, like Right. Everybody. It's, yeah. it's, I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but the first and foremost is it's hard. Something is hard. And that is, you do it to protect yourself. So when something is hard, you avoid it at all costs. Mm -hmm. And if that includes lying, that includes lying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, but there's a lot of other reasons, but that's really usually the first reason. Mm -hmm. And acknowledging that I think as a professional working with the client or the parent parenting a kid is okay. There, we always come from a belief system that when kids can, they will. Mm-hmm. And when they're not, we have to get curious and not punitive. And that's kind of like our mantra. We say it all the time. Anytime I'm out in the real world, talking to people about the work that we do, that's a, a line that we often say and, and getting curious about what is hard allows us to 
have a conversation about it and specifically target that. And I think something else that we really have to honor and understand is that lying is extremely developmentally appropriate. There are milestones throughout um, a learner's or a child's development um, that they are experimenting with truth and mm-hmm. with truth telling and seeing what they can get away with and what they can't get away with. And that's when parenting has to step in and teachers have to step in and set limits and boundaries um, throughout that whole sort of period of time. A lot, oftentimes the learners that we're working with are maybe beyond that developmental milestone, but we have to honor the fact that a lot of the time lying really works. Like, Cheating on a test for a lot of our learners, it works for them. Mm -hmm. And so we have to figure out solutions that offer up that aren't painful Mm -hmm. for that. They have to be easier than how easy lying is. Oh, that sounds very challenging. It it is. Yes. (laughs) It's very challenging. It's very challenging. The, The other thing is, you know, when people lie, it's, a lot about shame and embarrassment. Mm. There's a lot of shame. If you can't do something you're expected to do or already been taught and you can't do it, you're embarrassed. If you, you know, I was, I talk about this on the podcast. I was a late reader and Mm. I was so embarrassed and I had so much shame about it. And I faked my way through first grade and nobody knew that I couldn't read because I had memorized all the words was until second grade that they figured out that I actually couldn't read. Mm. And it was, I, I still have feelings about, you know, everybody else could read and I couldn't. Yeah. That cuts deep. Uh-huh. Kids know. Yeah. Kids uh-huh. know mm-hmm. when they're struggling compared to their peers. Yep. Usually lying comes about when they, like Steph was saying, they didn't understand. And that's the easiest compensatory strategy that they have in their toolkit. And that's where we come in and can give them an alternative, hopefully. A lot of the learners that we interact with as professionals lack impulse control too. Mm -hmm. And before Mm -hmm. they know it, they are in a pickle of a situation that usually they just dig deeper and put them and hope for the best. Yeah. Dig the heels in. Yes. Sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Say a little bit more about that. What's the connection there between poor impulse control and lying? Mm. I, I, it's a good question. I think the poor impulse control is that they don't filter through what happens when. Right. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Right. right. So and, go and ahead. Steph. You know, with kids or people who have ADHD, there's now. And not right now. So, <laughs> right. so you so got, true. right. Okay. So if you got, I'll do it later, but then they don't do it later. Okay. That turned into a lie, right? You, you know, said you were going to do it later, but you didn't do it later. So here's where, here's where lying is so layered is that when they are telling you that they've already done something, let's say, and they haven't, they firmly mm-hmm. plan on doing it. They mm-hmm. believe they're going to do it. So it's not going to be a big deal. Right. And, right. And what they and what they lack is the foresight to know how long something is going to take and why they're avoiding it in the first place. And and so yes, there's impulse control, but there's also a fundamental belief that like I'm going to rock this out. It'll be right. fine. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing I want to add is that 
when we talk about how students don't understand something, they think they do understand a lot of them. And then later on realize, and maybe don't realize they don't understand. And so that is also part of this because if you think you understand how to do it and then you open it up and start getting into it and then you don't know what to do next. And it's already been explained to you. Uh-huh. Right. And so you don't now want to what? ask again. Right. Now what? That's embarrassing. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, there, that's why there's a lot of layers to, they think they understand, but they don't actually understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. I think that's going to be an important takeaway is that just that idea that kids do the best that they can mm-hmm. when they can. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes it's, it is conscious that they're lying. Right. Uh, and yeah. sometimes they like truly believe in what they're saying. Thousand percent. And that's, and that's almost more challenging to, us as the adults in the situation mm-hmm. when they really believe it because it's so obvious to us that mm-hmm. it wasn't going to happen. Yeah. And sometimes there's proof. I mean, denial is so pro- powerful mm-hmm. for the learners that we work with and for the human experience too. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. very easy for us to not see the things we don't want to see. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of the times, you know, something else that is a trend and that can happen is that they already think thought they did it. Yeah. Like they genuinely think like we're talking about task completion mm-hmm. in this instance, and they think they've done it. This happened like, last night. Yeah. Last uh, night in a session. I mean, this happens all the time. I say, did you complete that? Then my client says, yeah, yeah. And I turned it in and I say, okay, can I just let, let's just look to make sure. And luckily she's open enough to go, oh yeah, let's look. And then she'll go, oh, I thought I did that. And what had happened was she thought about it. Mm-hmm. She yeah. thought about doing it, but didn't actually do it. Yeah, right. Yeah. Or did it and, or like opened up a Google doc and started doing it and then got distracted and walked away. And in her mind, no, I did it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. I, I mean, I get that. I feel like I've had that experience a number of times where I'm like, did I say that out loud or yes. did I do that thing <laughs> yes. that I told you, I, I think. I definitely thought about it a lot. Listen, it right? just happened to me yesterday. I was meeting with um, someone who's re- like doing some website work. I was telling Steph and I was supposed to fill out this form. Look, I absolutely opened the form. And in hindsight, I looked at it and I thought, not right now. And I closed it. <laughs> and then I had this meeting and they're like, so you didn't do it. I'm like, I did. <laughs> or didn't I? <laughs> like, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like how we're kind of setting the stage just to just to uh, expand the perspective a little bit that lying is not always about maliciousness. Right. Definitely that, not. Yeah. Yeah. It's truly like a base defense mechanism. It just is. avoidance. Yeah. Avoidance and denial avoidance, are basic defense mechanisms. For sure. And you add in the amount of anxiety that's out there and perfectionism. And perfectionism is a form of anxiety. And so if you think you're going to fail and not be able to do it, why try? Mm. And a lot of the the learners and the people that we work with, because we don't just work with kids, we work with adults too. Mm-hmm. They've experienced a lot of what we will call unsuccess. Mm-hmm. And it is how many times can you kind of go back to the same thing and be unsuccessful at it, but keep like knocking against that door 
and certain things are like inevitable. Like if you're trying to pass the bar, like that's the only way to practice law. So you need to get through that barrier. You kind of don't have a choice. And so it's, there's a lot of emotions layered into it, but lying is not always malicious. I think we take it with malicious intent, Mm -hmm. but it's not always, you know, it's anxiety acted out. It's a defense defense mechanism acted out. It's our basic coping skill acted out. You know, sometimes it's malicious, but not always. Right, right. Yeah, I think it's nice to highlight that. Um, so there are lots of reasons that people might lie. Um, trying to think of there, when we were talking ahead of time, you also said that there's this idea of like fear of the truth. And I'm mm. curious what you mean by that. That's that avoidance, fear of not being able to be successful, uh, fear that you think that you're good at something and then you're not. Fear of the adult being disappointed and disappointing, mm-hmm. you know, with my client, she did not want to disappoint me because we did have such a good relationship. Mm-hmm. Fear of reaction from your parent or the teacher yeah, or, 100%. or, you know, disappointing themselves too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's scary when you don't, you can't do what you're supposed to do because of you don't know how to do it or it's feeling so overwhelming that you can't get yourself to do it. I mean, a lot of this has to do with, you know, task initiation, being able to start something that's hard is hard. Rachel and I, we became board certified last year mm-hmm. and it took us several years <laughs> to yeah. really get going. And the ultimate end was the fact that she was pregnant and we had to get it done before she gave birth. And so once we had a firm deadline, Mm -hmm. you better believe we got it done. (laughs) However, it had been in the works for a very long time because it's been discussed long discussed. (laughs) Yeah. Just getting started was so hard. So, you know, you have to take that into account, you know, what if you can't do it and it's something you want to do? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so true. I think that's true. True. I, you know, also wonder about kids who, or adults that, that applies across the board, you know, folks who have a certain self-image or, you know, perception or persona that they have sort of put out in the world. And then, <clears throat> you know, if the behavior doesn't match that, there's some lying that might happen to avoid, you know, ruining whatever. Yeah. Or your productivity doesn't match it. Your output doesn't yeah. match. It's tough. Yeah. Yeah. So there are a lot of reasons. There are a lot of reasons that people mm-hmm. might lie. That sounds like a lot of it does just center around the emotional component and mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. wanting to face really mm-hmm. stuff. So let me, I want to go back to a couple things that y'all said. One, just the idea that this is developmentally appropriate at certain phases or stay mm-hmm. ages. I think that's mm-hmm. true. Just for anybody who might not know what that looks like, when, when is it actually developmentally appropriate for kids to be lying more than other times? Okay. That's a layered question. It is a layered question. So I'll, I'll answer what's typical and then I'll like give you the spiel about what, about the learners. that. So maybe I'll start with that. Learners that we work with who are experiencing challenges being independently and autonomously successful in the classroom are oftentimes two to three years behind their peers. Mm -hmm. So what's 
typical is around seven or eight kids, really nine kids are really starting to experiment with the truth. Mm. Um, What that means is in reality is you could have an 11 or 12 year old who is not learning in a typical way and then presenting realistically younger. And so they could be lying at 11 or 12 too. Go ahead, Seth. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, take a toddler, right? Like they eat something they're not supposed to, and it's all over their face. And you say, did you eat that? And they say, no, No. (laughs) but I mean, that's developmentally like appropriate because that's what they all, I remember my brother doing that when he was Mm -hmm. little, you know, it's, we all do that in some form, right? Mm -hmm. So it just depends on what it is as they learn what is acceptable to say, or what's the right, or like how to behave and, and not have that impulse control issue, right? Like, I don't think that if the kid, it's that, you know, the marshmallow test, right? Did the kid really want to not eat the marshmallow? Yes. But did the kid really want to eat the marshmallow? Yes. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's really like understanding what kind of lies and how they are presenting. I mean, if we have, you know, somebody who is stealing and lying about it, mm, I mean, is that lie really developmentally appropriate? No, that's not something that you should be doing and lying about, right? But if they're saying, you know, did you finish all your homework? And the kid says, yes, <laughs> it's just because they want it. They don't want to go back to it. So, you know, I think you have to, what kind of lies are we talking about? But that's very layered, but that's my answer. No, I love it. It's always complicated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I try to pin you down with these like, yeah, 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 you handled that. that was pretty good. So <laughs> it's been, I will say this, it's been interesting. You know, our oldest is about to turn 11 and like I've consciously, I've really noticed the shift with him where he isn't really lying a lot anymore. You know, the classic is like, did you brush your teeth this morning? Like, oh, right. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, of course. yeah. And he's not, but now he'll be like, no. <laughs> yeah, he just tells you. <laughs> yeah, and it's super refreshing. And mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. Have Bravo you, to you as, yeah, as a parent for, that he for, will tell the truth. He'll tell the truth. And have you acknowledged that with him? Hey, I, you used to do this and you're not doing it anymore. And it's really nice. Have you said mm. that to him? I haven't said that yet. No, okay, no. so tomorrow morning. Now, you know, now it'll be in your back of your head. <laughs> yeah. 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 I love that. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to keep that. I know yeah. we're crossing over into what do we do, but yes. yeah, yeah, I'll take yeah. that okay. little tip. <laughs> yeah. 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 I was going to say too, you know, this idea of impulse control, we touched on that for a bit that it's at least in my mind, it's not just like that time planning issue or like projecting forward of like, will I be able to get this done? You know, mm-hmm. but that idea that Kids, a lot of kids, you know, have trouble thinking through, oh, this is really easy to, uh, for my parents to figure out if I'm telling the truth or not, you know? Yeah, they don't figure it out. They don't see how easy it is and obvious. And I see that with the clients that we work with too. It's like Mm -hmm. so obvious. I mean, Steph, how many times have you been in a client's email and you're like, did you respond to that teacher? And they're, they're like, oh yeah. And you go and they deleted it. You're like, I can find that, you know, like it's not, 
I'm like, at least be smarter about it. (laughs) Like be a little more savvy in, in the lying about it. Or did you get that email that you were supposed to meet that teacher? No, that teacher never Never, told me. They never emailed. Oh, that's so interesting because now I see it in your trash. Yeah. (laughs) There it was. Yeah. Yeah. How did it, how did it get archived? Yeah. Mm -hmm. How did it get archived and read marked as read, Mm -hmm. you know, but again, who knows? (laughs) <laughs> There's so many different reasons why it gets there, but yeah, they, I agree with you that they don't think through how easy it is mm-hmm. to reveal the truth here, but they're, yeah. but they're, they're, it's a defense mechanism, right? Like yeah. they're not thinking through what's going to happen. You know, you take a criminal, they're not sitting there thinking they're going to get caught. They wouldn't do it if they thought they were going to get right. caught, you know? Right. So mm-hmm. it's really helping them slow down and learn what they need to do when and how they're going to accomplish something so that they don't get themselves in those positions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to talk about what we might do and how we might help (laughs) folks with lying, but it's just, I don't know. I'm just reflecting on the, how amazing it is that our brains can do this so quickly and evolutionarily, I suppose that in that split second, when somebody's asked a question and they, that whole calculation happens of, I didn't do this. I know I didn't do that. They're going to be mad. That's going to make me feel bad. And now I'm going to say something totally untrue and try to avoid that. Listen, my dog does it. (laughs) Like I'll ask him if he went outside and he'll go outside, look to see if I was watching him and come back in and pretend like he went. And then I'll say, did you go? And he'll act maybe sometimes. And then I'll go, no, you did not. And he'll go back outside. I mean, Steph Steph has full on conversation with her boys. Like this sounds like a remarkable dog. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're extremely well-trained dogs, (laughs) but listen, he he'll sit there and lie to me. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I just, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's appropriate for him. But I it just shows how primitive it is, right? Uh-huh. Like, yeah, and primal. Yeah. So true. So true. Well, yeah, let's transition and talk about how do, how do you work with some of this? Um, mm. So you have a lot of, again, you know, some strategies and we can tackle this however you want. I'm curious if it's kind of different depending on the type of lying or situation or you, y'all go wherever you would like. We can find our way through this. Yeah. I- can okay, let's just start with I I'd like there are some strategies, but the thing that I think is most beneficial for parents, clinicians, etc., is don't set them up to lie. Mm. Don't ask the did you blank question. When so, you already, especially when you already know. Mm-hmm. If you already know, let's not try to catch them in that moment. Yeah. Now you're just creating a problem. You already know the truth, right? Like these online portals, like parents are doing this all the time to our learners in our practice. And they already know that something didn't get turned in. And so they set them up Mm -hmm. with that question. Let me ask a philosophical question. Why do you think parents do that? Why do we want to catch our kids lying? Because this happens a lot. I mean, I do this. Oh, it's a great question. You know, I think it's somewhat to be right. And somewhat to sit there and say, like, I caught you, you know, that I, you didn't do what you were supposed to do and, um, you didn't tell and me I'm about it parent. and I know better and all of that. I, I think there's an element of that. That's just not on purpose. I think it's unconscious, but I think there's an element of that for sure. 
Mm. And if it's something that you've addressed previously in your house, um, sort and the kid has said, you know, I'm going to, I'm working on it. It's not going to happen again. And then it happens again. I think, I think ego plays into it. hundred percent. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. It reflects it's, on your parenting. It's a reflection of your parenting when the kid doesn't pivot. So we take it really personally and we try to catch them in those, um, moments too. Yeah. Mm, but, yeah. but we, we want to try to have, have a high level of awareness about it because we want to reward the truth telling Mm -hmm. even when the truth telling is hard because if we react explosively or negatively or punitively we are the lie gets more extreme we are teaching them it's better in the short term because they're not thinking about the long term that makes sense. Yes. I wonder if there, I'm just thinking through this for myself too, for all mm. the parents out there, if there is an element to of, um, again, it's like primal or evolutionary component of trust, you know, yeah. and being able to trust people close to us and how important that is. And mm-hmm. even and like, we can't help it, but to test that, you know, and to see I, I think you're totally right. Mm-hmm. I, think, I agree with you. I think it makes us feel safe and secure when mm. we can trust the people who are particularly in our living space. Yeah. And yeah. it has to go both ways. And so I think you're right that we test that. Mm. Mm. So complicated. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, okay. human. yeah. so we're human. Just, that's yes. Yes. So I like this idea already of kind of setting the, the ground rules of try, you know, don't set your kids up to fail basically, or to Mm -hmm. get caught. So maybe we're going to get to this, but what do you do instead? Like just in that example, like, you know, your kid is lying. You have this compulsion to catch them or Mm -hmm. make them feel bad about it or whatever, for whatever reason, what do you do instead in that moment when you have that information? I think you would trust it. I don't think we mm. just ignore the mm-hmm. fact that there was a slip up or a screw up on something that you that is an expectation in the household. But I think it's about being strategic about how you are addressing it. And I think we always want to try, this is a goal, but try to come from a place of curiosity about it so that we can encourage our kids to get curious about why it happened too, so that they can start forming their own solutions for that particular, you know, I'm imagining like the kid who was supposed to take out the trash and told you they took out the trash, but they obviously didn't take out the trash. Mm -hmm. Like we want to help them create their own strategies and their own approach and their own sort of mindset through what is stopping you from taking out the trash, right? Steph, what would you add? I I was going to say, you know, this comes from also the Ross green method of, Mm -hmm. you know, plan B. Like I noticed that you didn't X, Y, Z. What can we do to help you get that done? Or, you know, asking questions to help them get there. Or if they need help, you know, really getting behind the whole reason why it's happening, that getting curious. Can I, can I give a phrase that one of my friends said to me this weekend that uh, she had been working on in therapy of saying with certain people in her life, that sounds, 
it looks like this didn't happen for you. That sounds really hard. What do you plan to do about it? It blew my mind when she said that. (laughs) What do you plan to do about it? You know, and maybe they don't have a plan, but by asking the question, we are inviting them to have a plan. I'm going to try this out with some certain people in my life. I'll report back. Yeah. Nice. (laughs) Nice. Well, you know, I think with kids though, you know, there's a lot of kids that don't even know that they need a plan. And that is one of the things that we teach is that you need a plan. And in order to accomplish things, you have to be able to plan out when, how, why, where, all all the things, right? And so I think if, you know, instead of asking your kid, you know, retroactively, like, why didn't you do that? Then you look at the things that are coming up and say, how can we help you get that done? Mm -hmm. Or what do you plan to do about this thing that you didn't get done Mm -hmm. that you were supposed to get done? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know if this happens for the two of y'all. If your brains work like this, but I sometimes have a really hard time sort of seeing outside of myself and recognizing that like not everyone plans everything Right. Every day. <laughs> right. Know, because that's how my brain works. Yeah. And so to even like have that um, recognition to say, like, what do you plan to do about this? And know that that might be a very, very difficult question, even in and of itself for kids. Like, plan. What do you mean, plan? Like, yeah. it didn't happen. It's like all yeah. or nothing. What do you mean we plant now? What are we planning for? I can do something different. Like, it's a, mm-hmm. you know. yeah. So let me, let me give you an example. So I have a game. It's, um, and I'm like the game person. This (laughs) is like my jam. Okay. So there's a game that's kind of one of those old school puzzles, sort of kind of like a Rubik's cube, but not where you move the pieces and you have to copy what's in this little thing that you shook all the colors in order. Right. But you have to move all the little puzzle pieces. Mm -hmm. Every time I play it, I just, I'll pull out, pull it out with a new kid I'll play it with them. I kill them. Like I there's, they haven't even gotten the first row. So then I go back and I say to them, so what, what was your plan? Like, how were you approaching this task? And they look at me like I'm speaking a different language. I swear to you, like it never occurred to them that they needed a plan. So then we talk about, okay, let's set up a plan. What should you do? What order? How should you tackle this? 50 to 75% of the time they tie with me or like they'll beat me the next time because mm-hmm. they had a plan. Mm-hmm. And so then when you reflect back on, wow, look, you were able to beat me. And sometimes I lose on purpose, but, <laughs> but you, I, I happen to be very good at the game as well. But that <laughs> you've had said, a lot of experience with have, it. That's I the have, point I have. But that being said, they sort of look at you with this aha of, oh my gosh, I had a plan. I stuck to it and I was able to beat her. And like, mm. you know, they love that. Let me just tell you. I mean, I remember when oh, I used man. to beat my dad playing checkers or or connect four or something. And I was like, it was the highlight of everything, right? Because mm. oh, yeah. he didn't play easy on me. So I remember those moments. And so those kinds of things are just helping them grow and learn in different scenarios, how you do need to think through those things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It also makes me think too, this is, I'm going back to our 
why people lie. It's just another layer too of like having that, if they have the recognition, like, oh, I didn't do this thing. And, oh, I was supposed to have a plan. I didn't even think about having a plan either. You know, now it's like two layers of Mm -hmm. things that they didn't do very well. And yeah, no, the power, the power of a plan is so, um, well, hard to, hard to overstate. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. the first thing that y'all had on your list is like getting ahead of the lying. And I really like that. So talk about that in this way. You said how you respond to truth tellers. Um, what, what, what does that do and how does that set the stage to even like prevent lying? So when we respond to uncomfortable truth and the truth that we didn't want to hear from our kids, um, you know, my friend's son, you know, he hit another kid at school, let's say, and, you know, Hey, did you do this? And if he says yes, well, now it's an uncomfortable truth that we didn't want to hear. We don't want our kid to be the hitter in the classroom or the biter in the classroom, right? But if we get explosive about it, what is likely to happen the next time? He's smart. Our kids are smart and they're intuitive. And Mm -hmm. when they're lying to us, it makes sense a lot of the time because our reaction is so big. Well, next time I'm just going to say, no, I didn't hit him. I'm going to dig my heels in on that. Mm-hmm. So we have to, in those small moments of truth-telling, react in a way that builds trust, that it is safe for our learners to tell us the truth. I always tell the kids that we work with, I did not create you. Like I can go home and sleep tonight and I will not be thinking about this assignment that you lied to me about. Like it doesn't rock my world in the way it will probably rock your parents' world. Mm. But we, that's when we have to get really, really creative with parents too, because if we want to build that trust and rebuild that trust with the parents, we have to sort of prep them for that, right? Like you can't react explosive. If Mm -hmm. she actually tries to tell you the truth, you have to be cool if you want to get the truth again in the future. Yeah. And, and I think it's also about looking at things that could be just a mistake, Mm. not intentional, but a mistake because mistakes happen. And we have parents that I know, you know, we've, I've definitely said to them, please mistake, take, make mistakes on things Mm -hmm. to show your kids how you recover show them and teach them what to do when they make a mistake. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've had parents that say, you know, well, I don't make mistakes. Okay. (laughs) Let's, let's make up. Must be nice for you. Yeah. But let's, (laughs) let's create some mistakes that you can show them that it'll be okay because Mm -hmm. lying comes from trying to cover up. And that's why, you know, getting curious about, you know, was it a mistake and now they're lying to cover it up? Mm -hmm. what, where is it really coming from? So, you know, we all make mistakes. It's not intentional, but understanding and knowing how to react when they make a mistake, you know, like, especially if you make a mistake, like if I am, when I was teaching, if I would make a mistake up on the board and go, Oh, you know, I not a big deal. Yeah. I spelled that wrong. Oops. Or, you know, whatever. So that there, they, they can see how you recover from making that mistake so that they don't get in this, if they think you're perfect, they're going to want to be perfect as well. 
Right. That's such a good, I love that y'all are focusing so much on the modeling, the caregiver modeling in this process. It's important. Because I think that it is, it is. And it's super easy to overlook, but that, I mean, that's a, that's a very, um, (laughs) seems like kind of an intuitive reality that if you react super strongly and negatively, kids will stop telling you the truth, but Mm -hmm. it's so hard to put into practice. I know, you know, it's one of the things that I look for when we're selecting families to work with in our practice is, you know, the coachability, Mm. how receptive our parents to hearing, you know, it's hard. And we tend to not work with families of like, here, fix my kid. It's really hard when the kid is the identified patient in the family structure. Yeah. And because everybody needs to shift and react. Right. Right. We're working with the kid, but we're always working with the family. You know? Yeah. 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 I wonder how much of this work is honestly, I mean, talking with parents versus the kid. That's a, a great, like, just broad question. If you had to break it down, like, how much are you? Yeah, working with the learners on this stuff versus how the parents react. I think it's both. It's both. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 it has to come from both directions because we cannot ask these, our kids to go and tell their parents the truth about something, mm-hmm. knowing that the parent's going to remove the phone. They're going to mm-hmm. ground them from a trip. They're like, we, mm-hmm. we, that doesn't set up a good clinical relationship for us. Yeah. That's not safe for us to encourage them to do that. You know, and I'm thinking about a conversation I had with a client and parent yesterday, actually, where the kid doesn't want the parent to check her homework. Mm. Um, I have asked the parents to stop checking the homework because the teacher needs to know that the, the child can't do the homework. But you know, the parent came to me yesterday and said something like, um, you know, if she's having such a hard time, we're just trying to help her. Mm. And so one of the things I said to her yesterday was to the student, they can offer their help and don't get mad at them for offering help. You don't have to accept it though. And the mom just looked at me like, okay, yeah, that I think will be a good medium for both sides to feel like they tried, but she didn't want to accept it. Then she has to take on that. She didn't get to do, you know, she didn't get it right. Or she's not going to do well in the assignment or something. She'll have a consequence, but you know, I think, you know, and it's not like, Oh, you're going to get grounded. It's more like, Oh, well now you have to do it again because you didn't do it right the first time, because that's what the teacher said or whatever, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. But looking at things like that from that perspective is, I think, also important of getting ahead of, you know, there being lying and avoidance of tasks. Yes. Yes. Yeah. There's, gosh, there's so many directions we could go <laughs> in this whole like building independence and mm-hmm. how to, yeah. I'm going to try to stick to the, yeah, to the lying stuff, but it just yeah. touches so many areas. There's so many yeah. layers to it. So let's see. So we're talking about getting ahead of the line, rewarding truth telling, you know, doing it in a positive way and not being punitive, which makes a lot of sense. Um, other strategies or ways that you might approach a lying learner? Look, I think we have to try very, very hard not to take it personally. Mm. 
from a practical perspective, sort of shifting away from like how we're responding, I think we have to, I mean, Steph, this is all you. You're the one who taught me this. Yeah. Verify, verify, verify. Mm-hmm. We have to help them. Look? Let me yeah. Just, let me just see. I just want to see what your teacher's teaching you or what, <laughs> whatever it is to get them to open up. Check, 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 check. And this is, this is hard because we want to trust the kids. We want them to be telling us the truth. That's what we all ultimately want. But I mean, the depths that some of these kids go to, I can't tell you how many times I've opened up a portal and gone and looked at something they they've submitted. And so it looks like there's a check mark, like it looks like it's submitted and it's a blank Google doc, or it is an assignment, but not that assignment. Like they've just put something in there. Assignment. Yep. They've Mm -hmm. just put something in there and it's like, really? And it's, that's the level that these kids are going to, to avoid something. Mm -hmm. And then we have to come together as a group with me and my client, me, my client, the teacher, me, my client, the parent just depends on who's in the group and talk about the problem and figure out what the consequences are going to be prior to the problem happening. For example, going back to, I used to teach preschool, so I've got a million of those in my back pocket, but we would have these kids tantruming, right? Well, you can't reason with them when they're in their Mm -hmm. primal brain and they're tantruming. And you can't expect to have a solution with a kid who's lying when they're lying. It's about priming them for, hey, this is probably going to happen because that's sort of your pattern. And this will be the consequence when it and if it happens again. And then also being there to help it be help giving them a plan of what to do when it happens. Okay, so let's assume it's going to happen. This is the consequence and this is what we're going to do when it happens again. Right, right. A couple questions. I wonder if now is a time to revisit this case of- Oh, Steph. Steph's, yeah, when you were talking about the depths that this student went to, and I'm curious how you ended up verifying and (laughs) catching. (laughs) Okay, so it was right at the beginning of the pandemic. And she was figuring out how to turn in assignments that were the wrong assignment. And she was in elementary school. So she was turning stuff in the wrong assignment or turning in multiple of the same assignment under different assignments and grades weren't counting. Um, And it was you know, she, or she knew, and she just like would take some words and put it on a paper because she knew that the teacher was just checking for completion and not actually what she was doing. Mm. Um, For an elementary schooler, that is pretty pretty, sophisticated, a very sophisticated. So nobody caught on for a good couple of weeks and I got the passwords to everything. And um, once I went in and started really like looking at like, where was she struggling? I started seeing all the things that she, I mean, and I can't, it was two years ago now, so I can't remember all the things, but I do remember showing Rachel and showing my team what she was doing. And they were all going, whoa, this is more sophisticated than our high schoolers about avoidance of these tasks. And 
she was getting away with it because nobody, everyone thought like, oh, I, I gave it to that other teacher by accident. And, you know, like, and she was, you know, triangulation was happening and, <laughs> and nobody caught on. And it was just like, it was just, it was next level. So I think the assignments and the things that she needed to do, she didn't understand. She didn't know what was being asked of her. And it was much easier to just figure out an out and a quick out at that. And she's clever. So if you're clever and, you know, she is, she's a really smart kid. And so the thing is, is that she would go to these depths of being able to do it. And while you sit there and say, well, if you just put in 25% effort into if you just exactly, she didn't know what she was supposed to be doing. So therefore she couldn't put in any effort because she didn't know what was being asked of her. And so if you give her the, the benefit of the doubt of, you know, she didn't understand the assignment, then yeah, that's why she didn't do it. And she was getting, you know, like you're not turning in your homework. So she just started turning something else in, you know, and then it, it just becomes this snowball of like, how far will they go to avoid or do something so they don't get in trouble, even though they down the line, they'll get in more trouble. But like for now, because if you talk about the now versus not right now, for the now, mm. it solves the problem. Right. Short-term solution. Mm-hmm. Super easy. Yeah. That's such a great example. <laughs> I, in some ways, just have to applaud that elementary school kid. Exactly. Exactly. You yeah. gotta, you gotta and respect the, she's a great the player, kid. not the game. She is. Like. <laughs> she's a great kid and she will do things in her life. It's just, she's just, I mean, phenomenal. Nobody had any clue until I figured it out. Yeah. And it was, you know, I just happened to be like, it's my job, right. To like sit there and figure out what's going on. And when I started playing detective and really dug deep, Oh, there's what's happening. Yeah. So yeah. You know, and parents don't ha- necessarily have the time or the energy or know-how and and to be able to dig that deep to figure out what's going on. Right, right. So how did you respond then? What was the intervention, so to speak, after that? Well, the intervention was more about, okay, look, I see what's happening. I see what you did. I see how this happened. Let's talk about what is going on that prevented you from being able to do this. Well, sometimes Mm. she would sit there and say like her computer would just shut off. So she couldn't do the assignment and she couldn't turn it back on. She, you know, which could happen, but it didn't. I know it didn't. (laughs) Um, cause I could check with her mother. Um, you know, it was just really about like, okay, let me sit there and help you through it. And if we do it together, it'll get done. And then you'll know a little bit more for next time. But if we talk about where you don't understand or what they're asking you to do, you know, that's another, it was another example of she didn't know what she didn't know. And it was clear that she didn't know a lot of what mm-hmm. they were, because they, they weren't getting the same instruction. So it made sense. It's like right. when people know that they need, when they finally find out about educational therapy or you were what I needed, but I didn't know what to Google to get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. It also makes me think about what do you do? I imagine you get a lot of kids who say, I don't know, you know, what happened here? I don't know. No idea. Yeah. Then where do you go from there? Are you like feeding them 
options? Are you brainstorming? Are you like it, giving them permission? It depends to- on the kid. It depends yeah. on the kid. So I definitely have kids where I don't know is the first line of defense. And it's also a way to give their brain time to think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because processing it's, time. it's processing time. So, okay, well, let's sit with it for a second. I can't Mm -hmm. tell you how often I sit with things for a second (laughs) to both with my clients, my team, my husband, it's, we're sitting with a lot of things all the time. It's so much (laughs) sitting with things. Mm -hmm. And then it depends on the kid because at the point that we are discovering the lying, usually we've been working with them for a while. And so we know what their brain needs and what their brain won't benefit from. And, like the emotions that are layered within this. So that's where it really helps to, frankly, if you're not the parent, it helps that parents have outsourced this with us to a certain extent. Um, Because lying creates a lot of discord in the home. And um, one of the good byproducts of good intervention from our practices is that, you know, family and home life improves Mm -hmm. as a result. And lying it depends on the individual kid in front of you. Yeah, of course. That makes sense. Are there any other ways to outsource? I know that's a major strategy. Like what if we don't have a fabulous ed therapist that we can outsource? At your disposal. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. What do we, what do we do then? I mean, it depends on what <laughs> it's one. about. If the homework assignment is too hard or there's too much, partner with the teacher. Mm. See if you can make something so that the kid can be successful. That's the ultimate goal. And I think you really also have to be able to hopefully look at it from a higher level. And what are the things that your kid is lying about? Mm -hmm. And that's where you go and you provide the support. You have Mm -hmm. to look at the trend. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it takes a really skilled eye to be able to do that. But parents are experts on their kids. Yeah, Like we're experts on learning and how students get the information and access the curriculum and experience studenting, Mm -hmm. but the parents are the experts on their particular child in their home. So what are the things that they are lying about? And then go and start targeting those things and how you can make it easier and better and faster and more efficient and get creative. Now, let me just give you a, a, a very easy example. I had a kid who was refusing to brush his teeth. And the parents told me, I, we can't get him to brush his teeth. So when I started talking to the kid about what was happening, come to find out his parents were buying him adult toothpaste and he didn't like the taste. And that he, hadn't, familiar. he mm-hmm. hadn't really expressed that he didn't like the taste to them because they thought, oh, he's too old for kid toothpaste. And when I said, okay, well, what if I just ask your mom to buy you some kid toothpaste? Would that change things? Would you be more willing? And he was like, yeah. And it was something that was simple. simple as that. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I think this is a theme from our episode that I've been thinking about is this idea of assuming positive intent or the mm-hmm. idea that kids do the best that they can when they can, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure like the parents clearly are coming at this, like, why is he not brushing his teeth? You know, he's right, being defiant. Right. He's like trying to lie right. to us. And, and here you are. It's like, I just don't like the toothpaste. Right. It's so simple. It's very sometimes. reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm picky about my toothpaste. I get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. sure. You know, 
I like we all have we all have brand loyalties it's fine yeah exactly (laughs) yeah exactly and if you know if a middle schooler or high schooler wants to use kid toothpaste it's okay they're brushing their teeth exactly take Mm -hmm. take that for the win Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's still getting done yeah yeah (laughs) well i wonder uh, you know as we start to wrap up if there are any other um thoughts strategies anything you want to put out there that we haven't talked about or need to talk more about uh, to yeah, put a little bow on this topic for now. I think partnership with the school when possible, mm-hmm. when parents have the luxury of time to sort of facilitate that. I think letting everybody sort of on the team know like, hey, we are focused on this mm-hmm. right now as a family. It could be really, really helpful to have all the adults in a learner's life sort of focused on the same short-term goal. And don't do everything at once is the other thing. Yeah. You can't possibly tackle everything at once. So make the goal small, achievable, realistic, measurable, measurable, time sensitive. It's a smart goal, Um, Yes, but make it achievable and then celebrate it when the goal has been met Mm -hmm. and when there is progress moving forward. Success breeds success. Mm -hmm. I like it. Might be a nice note to end on. Nice positive note. Good. (laughs) Happy endings. Yeah. Well, as always, super grateful for y'all to Uh, thank you. Thank you for having us. So fun. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having us. It's always cool. Yeah. There's so much overlap, but you're doing completely different things, you know? Mm -hmm. Right. Right. I just, it's cool to see this kind of the other side of the coin and how y'all come at things and the way you're thinking about kids. That's, yeah, it's always helpful. So thank you again. Thanks for having us. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Thanks.